Rock Salt Radio. Be afraid also, tremendously afraid, for the day of reckoning is upon us. Broadcasting from within our six feet social distance. Uh Uh-huh. Me and the Lord. Yeah. We got an understanding. Yeah, what's that understanding? We're on a mission from God. Yeah, man, on a mission from God. It's Aaron and Dave today on the Rock Salt Musecast Experience. A mission from God. Aaron, the band this week. Matt, me and Elwood. Putting the band back together. Ma'am, you gotta understand that this is a lot bigger than any domestic problems you might be experiencing. Would it make you feel any better if you knew that what we're asking Matt here to do is a holy thing? You see, we're on a mission from God. We are vessel. First you trade the Cadillac for a microphone. Then you lie to me about the band. Now you're going to put me right back in the joint. They're not going to catch us. We're on a mission from God. So write it down backwards with lipstick on the bathroom mirror. It's We Are Vessel Day. Mark your calendars. We're going to celebrate it every year. Six miles to Chicago. we got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. Thanks to Broadhead Music for We Are Vessel. works in mysterious ways. Yep. Yep. All right, strike up the band, Sal. Uh-huh. All right. Well, it's another big day. I don't know why. We're, are we skipping the show tonight, Aaron? I, uh, I don't know. I think so. <laughs> this is what happens when you wait. <laughs> That's okay. Yeah, I know. Uh, theory of a Dead Man and Skillet we're playing tonight, and it uh, looks like it might be sold out. And that's okay. I, I'm kind of looking forward to a Saturday night at home just watching TV. Yeah, I may head out there to see if I can scalp a ticket. Well, good luck to you. Yeah. So, going to see uh, uh, Greta Van Fleet on Tuesday. Oh, good for you. Greta Van Zeppelin. Yes. <laughs> they, they are not a Zeppelin band, <laughs> yeah. Dave. They are not. I don't know. They sound exactly like Led Zeppelin. <laughs> I remember we were we were in Phoenix uh, visiting some family, and uh, they were playing their little Spotify playlist, and it had Zeppelin on it. I'm like, "Well, you must like Greta Van Fleet." Then they go, "Who? And Greta who?" Then I played the top song from Greta Van Fleet. Is that and that girl that runs around the world telling everybody they shouldn't have cars? <laughs> and uh, she's like, "Wow, they they sound a lot like Zeppelin." Yeah, they do. Not that I've been a, a big Zeppelin fan, but I, I, I tell you what, I started listening to Zeppelin more since I started listening to Greta Van Fleet, and uh, man, Zeppelin can really play. I mean, that's a, some talented people on that. Uh, is Led Zeppelin or Greta? Yeah, no, Zeppelin. Led Zeppelin. Uh, yeah. Well, Greta's talented, too, because I was supposed to see them. They were at the first Aftershock I went to with Ozzy. They were supposed to play at like 2 o'clock. In the afternoon, on the small stage, and their uh, twelve-passenger van broke down. 
Oh, you know, yeah. it was it was probably put together they, that by, was Rock, the, by by Patrick Rivers yeah. and broke down. <laughs> um, <laughs> and he's not here to defend himself, so we'll just talk about it. Uh, so hey, he would do the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> and so there, and so they got it. They got some more transportation, and they got there and they played at six o'clock on the small stage. And because at usually by six o'clock the small stage that year was shut down. Yeah. And well, so they, they just kept pushing it back and back and yeah, back so they, throughout the they day. They played, and I was like, "Wow, they are really good." And so they were talented. Yeah. And, and now they've uh, because they sound like Led Zeppelin, they've become so popular. Um, now they're doing this big uh, arena. And I'm arena not saying tour. they're not talented. They no, just, they are very talented. They sound exactly like if Led Zeppelin put out an album today. It would be Greta Van Fleet. Yes. Uh, I mean, that's just the way they sound. It's just hard to say they're not Zed Leppin. Zed Leppin? Zed Leppin, because <laughs> there's three brothers in the band. So dad had probably was. Yeah, he's probably in, influenced. Sure. Yeah. So, um, you know, since we're talking about bands and their names, I saw this uh, article from Blabbermouth. Uh, Wolfgang Van Halen. As we all know, that's Eddie Van Halen's son. It says his uh, detractors aren't creative enough with their insults. Nepotism and fat jokes are getting old. Uh, I'm going to quickly go through the story. <clears throat> Excuse me. Wolfgang Van Halen has denounced his detractors for not being creative enough with their insults. Earlier today, the Van Halen bassist tweeted, just vacuumed my living room and couch cushions like some kind of adult or something, to which a Twitter user responded, who cares, you're just a nepotism freak. This prompted the 29-year-old musician to write, you're correcting the, you know, the spelling of your, uh, your insults, me, oh wait, your insult me with proper grammar, please. Your your mother would be very disappointed. Um, Wolfgang then added, also, while we're on the topic, can anyone come up with some kind of insult that doesn't involve nepotism, living in the shadow, fat jokes? I feel like that horse has been dead for quite some time. I'm starting to feel like the people who hate me aren't very creative. Wolfgang, who is the son of Van Halen guitarist Eddie Van Halen, joined the band in 2007 at the age of 16, replacing original bassist Michael Anthony in a 20... I'm going to skip ahead of all that. Um, blah, blah, blah. This is just going into the history of the band. But um, the other story I read... I should have had that one. But the other story I read... Uh, this guy tweeted that uh, Wolfgang Van Halen shouldn't be capitalizing off the name Van Halen. And Wolfgang had to give him a little history on the name Van Halen on how it was his dad's name before it was ever a band name. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, honestly, I don't think Wolfgang really cares. It, here's the thing. You've, you've seen him. We saw him on Aftershock. Yes. Great show, great songs, great guitar player. Um, and, you know, why shouldn't you be? You're Eddie Van Halen's son. I think it's almost expected. Um, a lot of guitar lessons, I guess, at a younger age. Yeah, but uh, at the same time, he, he put up a poll on Twitter about what he should change his name to, and the choices were like um, Wolfgang Aerosmith, <laughs> Wolfgang the Who, <laughs> and uh, the the leading one, the the one that won, was Wolfgang Led Zeppelin. 
So uh, maybe we'll be getting a Wolfgang Led Zeppelin album at some point. Hey, leave the kid alone. Try Seriously. Okay, his dad's dead, and there's not going to be another Eddie Van Halen. You're going to have to deal with it. And um, let this kid be who he wants to be. I get the impression um, he would have probably been in a band if his dad was Eddie Van Halen or not. And so he loves music. I don't know. You know, we we don't we don't give him any uh, any bad time about the nepotism of being Valerie Bertinelli's son. You yeah, know, that, she was a big celebrity too. That's true. And you know, uh, just the fact that you are Eddie Van Halen's son it means you met and connected with a lot of people. Yeah, sort of like uh, Joe Rojas, who's in Seven Day Slumber. His son plays drums. Uh, for them, and I'm drawing a blank on his name. Yeah, uh, I don't Blaine. remember. Blaine is his name, and uh, you know, oh, the only reason he's in the band because his dad is is the is the leader. He's a really good drummer, and he, and the time we saw him, he was also playing with. Um, oh, I forgot who the other it? band. Yeah, Spoke. Was, they were playing with. He was playing with Spoken, right. who uh, it, um, the drummer couldn't do like a few dates, and so he was playing with them because he was really good. Yeah. And if uh, Seven Day Slumber just happened to, you know, hey, we're calling it quits, uh, Blaine's going to find another gig. Hey, if he's you, a really good drummer. If you think that Wolfgang Van Halen uh, is, and he's no gigantic celebrity, he's not filling arenas and stadiums, okay? He's just not. He's filling clubs. Yeah, and Aftershock, but, he was a midday performer. He yeah. wasn't even like 5 o'clock. It was like 3 o'clock. Yeah, it was like noon or something. But, um, but the thing is, is that... Um, he's. If you want to see how talented he is, go watch the Taylor Hawkins tribute concert. I think it's on Paramount. Uh, it could be on HBO, but he plays guitar on a cover of Panama, and man, he's good. But at the same time, you get a little choked up at the end because you can see on his face, like, "Woo, I did it!" And he's. It's like he's all proud of himself that he was able to do this. Um, it, it was a very cool moment, but if you think he's not talented and can't make it on his own, go watch that. He absolutely is as yeah. he should be, as he should be. Yep. Cause, uh, his uncle's a very talented drummer as well. True. Uh, Alex Van Halen. So, yeah. And, and I think people are upset a little bit because he doesn't play like covers of Van Halen, even though he has his own band. Yeah, well, I wouldn't play covers either. That's his dad's stuff. Well, I, I think I would do a song here and there. Yeah, but know. he does. He wants to distance himself from I, that. Well, I, I have a problem with that. I'm not distancing. You know, people say, "Oh, you act like your dad." I'm not distancing self. You know, trying to change my behavior or what I do to get away from my dad. My dad's not as famous as Eddie Van Halen for sure, but I'm not. Then, then what I would do is I would pull one of the songs out of the vault that never got made. Or, or a song that you liked that was like yeah. a B-side or something like that. I, I, I'm down for that. Don't don't play Panama. Don't play Finish What You Started. 1984 or something yeah, like that. Yeah, don't play those. Um, I just think it cheapens and takes away from your, your set. What's a song that's not popular from Van Halen that you just love? That you, I love that you that just never made the top ten of anything, but you're like, why didn't this just you know? 
I don't know. Cover for me for okay. a second, because I'm gonna have to look up some songs. Because I, I, I like a lot. Because I know Van there's Halen. like a Metallica song you like, and it never really made it. Well, big. Fuel is my favorite Metallica yeah, song. That That's a pretty made... big song. Though. Okay. Um, cover for me here, okay. so because I'm looking up Van Halen. Okay. Um, and so, let's see. But I would encourage the young man to uh, every once in a while. Play something of your dad's. Uh, I, honor, honor your dad. He was a gr- one of the greatest guitarists of all time and, and one of the biggest bands of all time as far as rock music goes. And, you know, your interest in music had to come from being Eddie Van Halen's son. Well, of course. And so, you know, pay tribute to him, um, you know, th- that way. You and know, so, is uh, there a song? I'm, I'm looking with? at okay. some songs. And I'm going to tell you, honestly, um, Van, the the album Van Halen 3, which was the one they did with Gary Sharon, it uh-huh. was their last studio album, mm-hmm. and it, it didn't go over well at all. It's a decent album. It's not a great Van Halen album, but it's a decent album. And uh, uh, honestly, there's a couple of great songs on there. You know, Without You, The One I Want, Fire in a Hole, um, those are the ones that I would pick. There was a Striper covered a Van Halen song that I had never heard of. Um, the time we saw them. Uh, oh, you'd never. That's a. That is. Hang on, I'm gonna push this up okay. so I can play a little of it. Okay. Um, because I'm I'm gonna tell you it's this song. Okay. That's a famous Van Halen song. That's ain't, ain't talking about love. I, I, again, I've never heard of it. So I'm just telling you from a person who listens to music all the time, it, it never made a top 10 list that I, I found. So. Yeah, that's that's a big Van Halen song. Okay. So, um, I mean, is it one of their top five on Spotify? Yeah. It's, that, number, it's number five. Oh, okay. 130 million okay. listens. So it is a big song. Yeah. Okay. Um, Jump being the biggest one yes. on Spotify, yeah. of course. That's their big hit. Panama being in second place. <clears throat> then you really got me running with the devil and ain't talking about love. And all three of those are off of the first album. So, and the other two are off of 1984. They're all, uh, they're all David Lee Roth songs because, uh, you know, uh, here here's where I'm going to upset some people is... When someone asks you, David Lee Roth or Sammy Hagar Van Halen, the quote-unquote correct answer is David Lee Roth. Yeah. But the real answer is Sammy Hagar because Van Halen never had a number one until Sammy Hagar. Never had a number one. Is it love? Was that number one? Uh, well, the album was uh, 5150, the yeah. first album with uh, When It's Love yeah. and Dreams. and um, When It's Love has got to be the biggest hit on that. Yeah, that's, so. that one's pretty big. So that was a great album. 5150 was a great album. Yeah. It was totally different. It was a totally different sound in the 80s when everybody was going big hair glam. And Van Halen, the old sound of Van Halen, I think it just gone as far as it was going to go it needed a bigger sound and sammy brought that bigger sound and it was different and people didn't like it i thought it was great i thought it was very refreshing and i was very interested in in hearing the gary sharon even though i wasn't real happy about that but that album's not bad 
And they said the second album was going to be even better, but they never made it. So that kind of sucks. I just encourage the young man, um, maybe honor your father um, every once in a while. Or, you know, just it, just like uh, Linkin Park paid tribute to uh, um, the Beastie Boys that one and when they did. Uh, yeah, Sabotage. Sabotage but, in the middle. But here's so you, the, can, you can do something in between to pay tribute. Here's so. the thing that, that we're not addressing is that everybody else has these memories of Eddie Van Halen like he's their guy. But we don't have memories of Eddie Van Halen as our dad. True. So it's very different for Wolfgang than it is for you and me. You and I can sit here all day and say that he should or shouldn't play a Van Halen song. But at the end of the day, hey, maybe he doesn't do it because um, he doesn't want to be reminded. Doesn't want to cry on stage. Yeah, maybe there's that. I don't know. You know, I'm sure he's got his reasons. Yeah. But could you leave the kid alone? Well, I, I'm I'm not bugging the kid, but I'm I'm just saying these people. Yeah. Could you just leave them alone? If you yeah. don't like it, move on. Nobody cares about your your thoughts on nepotism. Nobody. He that's, doesn't care, and and that's the only person that should care. And clearly, he doesn't care. So nobody else cares. Why do you move on? It wasn't even worth the effort to type out the tweet. True. The culture we live in, Dave, we just want to tell other people what they should do all the time. Yeah. We want to be nice to everybody, but, and uh, I will step up for celebrities on this one. We want to be nice to everybody except celebrities. <laughs> celebrities, for some reason, we feel we can just say whatever we think to them. It's like that scene out of uh, out of Airplane where Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's flying the plane and the kid's going, my dad said that, you know, you can't, you Win more, or be better if you just ran more or something like that. And and Kareem grabs the kid and goes, "Tell your dad to you know haul so and so up and down the court all night long, you know." <laughs> but that's the thing is is for some reason we feel like we can say those things to celebrities, all the negative stuff, all the negative stuff that we wouldn't say to anybody else in this woke culture that we're in right now. We somehow feel we can say to celebrities, and this is a prime example of it. It's a prime example. Who cares? Like this business owner said to me the other day, I, I I tried to hire this guy, and all he wanted to do is tell me how to run my business, even though he's never run a business. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you know that's the culture we're in. We want to tell people how you know how to live and how to do things. And I think you're right, Dave. Just leave me alone. Yeah. You know if if, if I want to do this, I want to do that. I ain't bothering nobody else. And, and let's be honest. I don't think Wolfgang's hurting for money. No. Okay? I think he's got enough money in the bank. I think Dad made sure he was taken care of. Um, and I think Wolfgang knows that. I think he's very passionate about music. I think he is, and, too. And, and making good music. Yeah. And if he doesn't want to play his dad's songs... And go listen that's, to it. That's, that's okay. Go listen to it on Spotify. It won't cost you anything but your time. It's a good album. So uh, leave the kid alone. Let him do his thing. And, and and just stop. Be nicer to people. You know, maybe take a page out of your woke book and actually live it. Anyways. All right. 
All right. Message from Rock Salt. You guys experience. <laughs> Be nice to your neighbor. You know. Yeah. I think it says that somewhere in the Bible or whatever. So, hey, we'll be right back on the Rock Salt Musecast Experience. Hey, what's up, guys? This is Joseph Rojas from the band Seventh Day Slumber, and you're listening to Rock Salt Musecast, and I'm hanging out with Dave and Aaron on a mission from God. Keep it locked. Aaron, Dave, like the old days again. Yeah. It's just Aaron and Dave this time. And uh, our buddy James Broadhead from We Are Vessel. Hey man, what's going on, guys? You're you're in the you're in the van. You're heading off to another show. We're that's right. We're in the van this time. It's been kind of nice uh, to do this again. We got I got a little spoiled being in buses for the last uh, few years, and then. Uh, this run out, we took the van because our bus is out somewhere else. And so uh, it's been kind of fun to do this again. And kind of, uh, it's actually a lot easier and a lot simpler sometimes to just not have to worry about all the bus going in and out of all the places and doing all this stuff. And so we're headed to uh, St. James, Missouri. Oh, nice. Uh, right now. So, nice. And where are, you, where are you at currently? Uh, we're getting close. We're in a town called St. Robert. Uh, we stopped for lunch right here, and then uh, we'll be loaded in around 3 o'clock. Oh, so you're out in Missouri already. Already. Yeah, we're almost there. There's a lot of saints in Missouri, it seems like. <laughs> there is a lot of them, yeah. When the saints there go is. marching in. Yeah, um, yeah. They, they can take the dry, um, the bus through the drive-thru, I guess. And, uh, <laughs> you can take the van through the, the, the drive-thru. The yeah. van through the drive-thru, not the bus. Yeah. You know, uh, and it's uh, better on gas. Way better on gas. <laughs> I, I had a McDonald's one time. That we try to, you know, sometimes when you're in the bus, you just kind of, you got to take what you can get. It's late night. So we'll walk up to a window at a McDonald's, you know, and they're like, we can't serve you. You have to be in the vehicle. And so I was like, all right. So I took the bus around, skipped the line, pulled the bus right up to the window, rolled the window down. Can I order now? <laughs> Pull up to the window with that big uh, uh, truck horn. <laughs> <laughs> Where's my make nuggets? After midnight, I don't have much of a filter, so, you know. <laughs> Is the ice cream machine working? <laughs> no, absolutely not. Those things never work. No. Never. They should just stop offering the ice cream. <laughs> it never works. Stop. Yeah. And you've got a, a busy uh, a week, I guess, ahead of you. I We were talking off the air, and, and uh, you got a, a show tonight, and what, another show tomorrow night? That's right. We, uh, we, last night we were in, uh, uh, Muskogee, Oklahoma. And, uh, tonight we're in St. James tomorrow being Camdenton, Missouri. Um, and then we get, then we head back for a few days. And then at the end of the week, we fly out to Arizona. Um, and we've got six or seven days back to back in Arizona. Um, looking forward to it. Um, I like being busy when I'm gone. Uh, so look, it's gonna be fun. Well, plus it'll be warm. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot warmer over there too. Yeah, it's it's crazy. Right now, it's uh, it's thirty two, but the wind's blowing about twenty mile an hour. It was cutting pretty hard walking back to the van. <laughs> oh, no thanks. Yeah, we just got through a big storm here in California, and uh, oh man, blowing down trees and stuff like that. Luckily, oh. we didn't have any floods. They were worried about flooding. Didn't flood. Not yeah, here. Good. Yet. <laughs> the snow hasn't melted yet so it <laughs> might right. it still might yeah but uh you're in a little band called we are vessel and it's a trio right yeah it's a trio pretty much we have a 
Uh, we've been doing it three piece uh, for a little while. Sometimes we'll add different players. It depends on what you know, kind of what we're doing. Um, if we're headlining a tour, or if we're opening, or how much rooms on the bus? You know, that's a lot of the, the, the things too. Recording uh, in progress. Sorry, I forgot to hit the record button on okay. the video, guys. We're <laughs> good. We're good. I know it throws people off, but sorry about that. You're good. Um, so you've been doing this since 2015, if I read correctly, right? 2015. That's right. A lot of people don't. A lot of people don't know. We. we I was in another band before this. We ne- we never got too big. Uh, it was a band called October Glory, and uh, we had a radio single out that went pretty good. We had a, a you know. Bobby from Saliva had produced the record and uh, we were supposed to be signing uh, Skillet had left Ardent Records and it went to a, a Atlantic and uh, we were supposed to be working out a deal with them and uh, I wasn't a singer, I was just a guitar player in the band the whole thing kind of fell apart one day and uh, I wanted to you know, I remember praying to God and saying Lord, what do you what do you got for me, man? Like, What, what do you want me to do? Like, I want to you know, the funny thing is I tried out for vocals to keep October Glory going and manager was like, eh, no, we're not doing that. And uh, so I, I wanted to know what I was supposed to do. And so uh, I said, you know what, I'm just going to throw my, throw my cell up and you just guide me wherever you want me to go. And um, I decided to record a, a three-song um, demo and with my good buddy uh, Noah Allen, who was my drummer at the time. Me and him started the band and we had uh, Josh Mills and – um, on guitar back then. And we had, uh, Mark Nettles on bass and we were all, you know, the band, you know? So we did a three song EP and management heard one of the songs that was from the old band, October glory. And they, uh, said, Hey, we want to shoot this through radio. And so we kind of, kind of started from there about cool. 2014. I think we did that, did the uh, demo. And that's where Can You Hear Me came from. I don't know if you guys heard that one. It's been so long ago <laughs> since that song went down. I, I can't say I heard that oh. one. I don't, I don't, I, I may have heard it, but I, I'm horrible with names. So I, I probably oh, yeah. <laughs> didn't catch the name. It's been a while. <laughs> um, is that, is that an October glory song or is that a, a no, that we was are a Vessel, Vessel song. song. Yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. We are a Vessel song. Yeah. Yeah. We are a Vessel song. Start out with that October glory. The single we had from that was called faith in you. And, uh, but I don't even think any of that stuff was out anymore. You can't, I, don't I was going to say, it. can you find it anywhere? So, uh, YouTube might have it, but it'd be about it. Yeah. And uh, now you've uh, parlayed your your uh, we are vessel into broadhead music. Is that the way it worked, yes. or is it two different, totally different things? Two totally different things. It kind of the thing with me is is as we go through this year, I've got a story for basically everything how something happened. Um, uh, so Jenna Parr, you guys have probably heard about. Um, she came to me. Her and her dad came to me. I've known them. They were. They're from my town, uh, known them for, uh, forever. Uh, I knew Jenna when she was a little kid running around and, uh, anyways, Jeffrey, her dad had called me and said, Hey, we want to, um, I want to get Jenna in to start, you know, letting her get some recording done. She wants to have a career in music and they like, that's okay, great. At the time I was producing some stuff and, and, um, brought her in and I was like, you know, she's pretty talented. We worked through some stuff, wrote some songs together and, and decided to start managing her. And uh, as time went on, and as we kind of moved in that realm a little bit, we got a uh, a record together, an EP together with Jenna that we decided we wanted to release after the demo. Um, 
we we talked about publishing, how we were going to do that. And I had this vision uh, for several years uh, about basically brought what Broadhead Music Group is today, um, about wanting to pour into other artists uh, and help them, the ones that aren't able to grow or don't know how to grow or missing some things or, or things like that, that this, the extra little push they need to get to the next level. And uh, because for me, that's what people have done for me. Uh, I've got so many people out there that have taken me in um, when I'm recording music with them or doing whatever and just poured into me and helped me grow and helped me to achieve the things that I've achieved. And that's, that's been a vision of mine to always want to do that. And so we decided since we need to publish it anyway, so we would start Broadhead Music Group. Um, I would work with, we would start small. I would work with artists. Jeffrey would work on the, he would be the uh, promotions manager and promote and do all those things. And, um, and, uh, I, you know, we learned how to, uh, do radio promotions and, and all the things. And, you know, basically it was birthed out of Jenna Nita publishing and, and a vision that I had had to help people get that next, little push. And so we are vessel is, is, is not broadhead music group, but broadhead music group does represent. We are vessel, um, in that scheme of things. It's, it is a separate entity. And the, the crazy thing is too, like I've, I'm one of those guys, I, I need to be busy all the time. Uh, I just, I can't sit still and be one content with one thing. We've since doing all that, we've got, we're vessel. We've got broadhead music group. We have, we're vessel productions, which it's a production, uh, a company where we have uh, sound lighting, video wall, and all that that we put out on tours and do events. We also have Vessel Lighting, which is a video wall and lighting resale company, um, and uh, we have Vessel Leasing, where we're leasing uh, some buses out. Um, and uh, at one point, I had started We Are Vessel Coffee, but almost didn't have enough time for that one. And so I, I we, saw we that. Had, I was like, have, man, he's, he's doing everything. <laughs> well, you know, you can just brand someone else's coffee and call it yours. That's what all the rock stars do. <laughs> that's what it is, you know, essentially. I, I did find this company, though, with the coffee. Uh, I was already drinking. Uh, it's Three Avocados Coffee. Joe is the, the guy's name that, that does the brewing and everything. And I fell in love with his coffee. He would, when we were up in St. Louis area, he would always, the, any shows we were on, he would bring his coffee by. And I was like, this coffee is good. Like I'm, <laughs> I'm ordering and all that. And finally I was like, you know, what does it take to brew? What does it take to do these things? And, and, uh, cause I loved his mission too, as well. Like, uh, you know, uh, his proceeds went to putting clean drinking water places where compassion International is. And I have been a compassion International artist for several years now. And so I was like, well, this is, this is all working hand in hand. And I was thinking, how could, how could we benefit that more? And, and do some more things. And so we talked about getting some different roasts and, and things like that, that we are vessel could, uh, could do. And so we did, we did two of them. He does my, uh, my, my roasting and we have a, a company that does our bagging and does our prints and everything. And they just send them to us. So there's, we are vessel coffee. Oh, there really um, is. And it's the, I didn't, yeah, I, it really is. Wow. Yeah. I'm going to have to pick some up is, for is Nancy. It, is, is it strong? <laughs> So my, uh, I have two different, two different brews. I have a Uganda and a Nicaragua. The Nicaragua is a little stronger. Um, it's, uh, but it's, it's one of those flavors that's strong, but not to me, Starbucks strong is just terrible. Um, <laughs> this actually has a good, this, this has a great flavor and is a strong coffee. The Uganda actually has a hint of, um, 
of some cocoa bean in it as well. It's not chocolatey, but it gives it more of a dark roast, but without the strong bitterness as well. So interesting. I know nothing about coffee. I'm not no. a coffee drinker. So, <laughs> oh, bless your heart. I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's just one of those things I never gained a taste for. I've tried several times, but just can't gain a taste uh, for it. D- Dave can I get it. I get it. Dave can take down some Rockstar though. Yeah, I'll throw but, back Rockstar anytime, yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> that's where I get uh, my caffeine get from. Uh, mm. Hey, uh, what are we gonna do here, Aaron? Uh the Broken Here's, Redeemed, the new single. The new single from We Are Vessel, The Broken Redeemed on the Rock Salt Musecast Experience. I got so many broken pieces in me I don't want you to see Cause in honesty I'm barely holding on Cause every look in the mirror reminds me of all of the times that I failed And I find I'm barely holding on The sound of your voice is the sound of the broken redeemed Rock Salt Musecast Experience. Aaron and Dave today, no Patrick's, 
Notice I pluralized it. Patrick's yes. or no, Jermaine. Nor Jermaine. Nor Jermaine. But we do have uh, James Broadhead from We Are Vessel and Broadhead Music on the line. Out there doing the touring thing, being on, a guy? big rock star. I don't know about that. <laughs> Driving the bus through Everybody the McDonald's drive-thru. No, not doing that today. But, uh, you know, it's so funny how many guys always like, yeah, I want to tour. I want to come out and play and tour. And then they tour and they're like, I don't want to tour anymore. <laughs> it's and, hard uh, work, isn't it? it? It is. It's not what everybody thinks it is. That's for sure. Yeah, it's not it's all glitz and glamour. Yeah. I, I, I've, seen, uh, I've seen too many bands you know, that, uh, are out there like yourself in the, in the 12 passenger, 15 passenger van trying to make it to the next date. It's uh, a yeah. Torrent. No joke. Torrent is, uh, um, a tough biz in itself. It's hard work. It is. It, it's the dirty underbelly of being a rock star. Am I right? Absolutely. And, and a little too dirty because there's not enough showers. So uh, <laughs> you got to get the flying J <laughs> and, and, and ministry. Isn't uh, sometimes what it's all crocked, cracked up to be either, you know, and that's so, true. That's true. Yeah. So I remember when I was going to Bible school, guys are like, I want to pastor a church. And the guys who had been yeah. pastoring for a while be like, who come in as our teachers every once in a while. be like, no, you don't. Yeah. And then, <laughs> no, no, no. It's, 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 it's not easy. It's uh a lot of hard work, and so uh, you know, as a kid, I thought about becoming a pastor. Uh, you know, I was uh, probably around thirteen years old or something uh-huh. like that. And then I saw all the back and forth inside the church that I was going to, and I went, "Oh, I want no part of that." <laughs> no man, want no I, I part of that. For a little while, I youth pastor for a little while, and I would just remember, like during that time, saying, "God, please," because a lot of times the youth pastors would move into being a pastor and things like that. And I remember saying, God, please don't call me to be a pastor. I <laughs> do not. Please no. Yeah. So, I, it, that's a tough, that's a tough gig. So you're out there. I mean, and we were just talking about uh, how the music business changed that the money is no longer in the sale of the CDs and such mm-hmm. or the streams. In this case, there's no money in the streams. It's uh it's no. getting out there and working. It is. It is. It's, and I think that's why, you know, touring has gotten a little heavier lately, especially everybody after COVID has been hitting it hard and heavy. A lot of the guys that do tour, um, you, you can't make it in streams or anything anymore. You know, I, I feel like back in, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but back in the eighties, seventies, eighties, you know, you, your record sales were, were huge. We had stores that were selling records and things like that. And, and uh, now you don't have that. It's just it's so easy to get in the streams, and there's just there's just no money in it. So so we've all had to kind of like figure out, you know, the record labels had to figure it out, and the bands have had to try to figure out like how do we keep this thing alive? And and now it's became it's a grind again. You know, um, there is no other income coming in uh, aside from you know royalties are not not what they used to not be. That great, yeah. Not what they used to be, and yeah. uh, you know we might. You know, some you might get a check here or there, you know, for fifty hundred bucks. You know what I mean? But um, and I'm sure some guys at the bigger end are getting stuff. You know, it's got some bigger, bigger stuff. But um, even still, the bigger you are, the more money it costs you to do anything, and so it almost averages out by percents of how big you are versus how much your royalties are. That everybody still has to, 
we got to grind. We're having to grind. And the, the grind's tougher now. You know, the uh, parts are more expensive for things to fix things, the van, the bus, the trailers. Let me tell you, tires, I've never bought so many. You, you would, I have a tire budget every year um, because you just go through tires. Yeah. And uh, it, it's, it's, it's a whole nother, it's a whole nother game now doing, if you want to survive in the music industry now than what it used to be. Well, I remember Michael Sweet of Striper posted, I think it was last spring, they were supposed to go out on tour. And they said, hey, because of gas prices and unavailability of um, finding a tour bus and all that, they, they said we, we mm-hmm. postponed everything. Yeah. And they didn't mm-hmm. go out until the fall. And so uh, it's affecting everybody. Um, I guess merch sales is where it is, I guess, to kind of get oh, from town know? to town. It, it helps, but the problem there is, the, you know, where we used to be able to buy a really nice T-shirt, you know, uh, uh, what will we buy? I can't remember. Um, I can't um, think of a nice T-shirt, but like. Fruit of Lord, we're talking like about yeah. yeah, something something good, you know, it yeah. costs you 6 $7 a shirt, and, you know, and then you could resell it for 20 25 or whatever. That's what we used to get by. Now those shirts have gone up to $3 a piece, and, and, uh, and so, but but nobody else, nobody wants to pay more money at the table for stuff. And so then it increases your profit last year when fuel went astronomical, um, you know, fuel in the bus was, you know, it was over $6 a gallon. Well, it's probably way worse for y'all, but, um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And not going out there to do that. That was over that's, $6 a gallon. That's, yeah. that's why no bands were coming to, to California. Yeah. You can't no, travel California. Exactly. You can't afford it. <laughs> can't afford it i walked into the the quick trip one day we got back to um to school where we parked the bus at in tennessee and and um i walked in to fill up and i was like oh we probably only use we didn't use a whole lot maybe half a tank and someone go in there and just fill up so i i said uh i said i need to get 800 on pump eight and this lady beside me she said eight hundred dollars <laughs> oh my gosh i said I said, lady, I'm not even getting a full tank here. <laughs> like, she's like, oh, my God. Yeah, so it's. See, and that's what I did last weekend. Down a little bit. That's what I did last weekend when I went to the AMPM. <laughs> Dropped $800, fill up the tank. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That hurts your feeling. <laughs> <laughs> See, I uh, I switched jobs last year, and um, uh I had a company car with free gas at the old job. Oh, that was man. the nice, nice perk of the job. Nice. <laughs> I don't have that anymore, so it's a little more, yeah. it's a little more budgeting, and takes me a little more work <laughs> to make sure I can get through the month. I hear that. <laughs> but um, so now, how does uh, getting on the subject of the the music industry? How does that affect mm-hmm. Broadhead Music now? Can do you mind if I ask about that? Oh yeah, absolutely. The thing with us, as far as the the royalty side of things, most of your record labels, you know, they they basically will own your music, own your record, and that's something I set out not to do with my guys, and is to own their music. Um, you know, to basically figure out a way that we could survive um, without having the the pull royalties from, or to own the record and take you know take take from them guys, you know. Um, now, don't get me wrong. There is, you know, there's percentages of things like that. That's just, it's just the way the business works um, with management and things like that. I, 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 I pay in the Broadhead Music Group my percentages for merch sales. I paid my manager 
um, gets my percentages as well, you know, but they, everybody works hard. They deserve every penny of it. Um, and so that's where we're trying to be a little different in that is the, the come, the, the come in a different area with it and not, not take the royalties from them because it's not much already. It's like you were saying a while ago, you know, there was a fee for it got, the guy made $12 and they took a dollar something fee yeah. out of it, you know, yeah, transaction like, fee or like something. A, it's like a slap and it's just a it, slap in the face. It it's really like, is. You know, it's like here's yeah, your so t- like, here's your quarter tip. Why don't you give me back a dime? <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. And so uh, that's kind of how we're going about it. Just a little bit different. Um, you know, we're able to offer. We we we're, we've got a big end with a lot of different um, um, uh, places that do our promos and press releases and recordings. And I've got a network of people that I've worked with over the years that I can bring my artists in to, to work with and do things. And so we get great pricing on things and, you know, and, and, um, it, 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 it's a whole different angle. We actually created this, um, this, uh, record label as a 501 C three. Um, and there's no other record label that I know out there. That's a, a nonprofit. And, because we did that because we want to be ministers towards, towards these guys and, and, and the, who they are in their ministry and what they do. And so, um, we don't, there's no, we don't draw a profit from it at all. Everything that we do goes right back into the music that everybody's doing. And, and, um, and I think that's how I wanted it from day one and how I'll always want it. I, I don't, I want to see people succeed. Uh, I want to be, uh, we should all be on the same team. And, uh, and that's what I want to be. I want the people that are with me. I want to be on their team. I don't want to be uh, anything but that. That's what I say to a lot of the people that I work with or work for is if you're successful, I'm successful. And exactly. that kind of sounds exactly. like the, the mentality over there. So S- same thing. Yeah. I mean, and it's, it's true because if you're the head of broadhead music and, um, who, who's on your label besides we are vessel? Give me somebody. Well, um, you got red letter rising. Jennifer. Okay. I, okay. Uh, I didn't want to assume Jennifer, but I was going to assume Jennifer, mm-hmm. but, yeah. um, mm-hmm. you know, uh, as, as, as the lead guy at broadhead music, uh, if Jennifer's successful, you're successful. Exactly. But if exactly. you if you are uh, uh, signing her to these horrible contracts like record companies do, and just squeezing that lemon for everything it's worth, so you can toss the rind out when you're done. Mm-hmm. Um, there's there's nothing. Yeah, there's no there's no. What do I want to say? What's the word? Uh, you know, extension there. Yeah, there's no it, life it, to it. Doesn't it. create a foundation for what you're trying to do. You know. Um, if you can build the foundation with people and it, it stays stronger, they, it, it, it will take longer, you know, in the, in the scheme of things to, to grow it and be that, but in the long, the long haul of it, it's, it's going to be better for everybody. Yeah. You know? and, and that's the, that's the big thing. Like you mentioned that if we are best successful to everybody else is successful. It's all, it all works hand in hand. You know, we just, we have really tried to create a team of people that, that, uh, are right-minded uh, or like-minded and uh, in how we're moving forward and what we're doing to reach people and to um, 
change lives. See, I think that is kind of what propelled this streaming thing starting back in the 90s is the record companies no longer were grooming these bands or anything to do multiple albums or become bigger. They were putting out mm-hmm. they were putting out a whole album with one or two good songs on it that anybody would want. And when mm-hmm. I would go down to Tower Records and I'd see that oh the new Sum 41 album's 15.99 but I only like one song on it. Yeah, I think I'm going to go hit Napster for that because I don't need to pay that for one song. Right. And mm-hmm. I'm just not. And that's what kind of pushed everybody into this streaming thing, I think. And uh, Absolutely. And the record companies, they didn't know what to do with it. Tommy Batola later said he should we we should have embraced the streaming industry, but they didn't. They were afraid of it. <clears throat> Excuse me. And um, uh, I kept saying back then, all you have to do is put out a good product. Give me an album I want to buy. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, right. you know, give me a fold out, show me some pictures, do something special with it, put on 10, 12 songs that I like mm-hmm. and you'll sell me an album. Now there's people that will right. never pay for an album, but there's people that mm-hmm. will. Uh, and you just saw it where they were reporting that, uh, vinyl sales have finally exceeded CD sales again. So people oh, want awesome. People want that tangible product. You have to give them a good mm-hmm. one. And I think that's what just kind of killed right. this industry is that um, uh, their own greed, squeezing that lemon for everything it's worth and then tossing it out. We'll move on to the next one because there's a hundred other bands that sound like some 41 and we'll just squeeze mm-hmm. that lemon next and we'll keep cycling in this until people just didn't care anymore. Yeah. That, that's what I think. I don't know. I'm not yeah, this. I, but. I, can, I can agree with that. And the thing is, too, like, we're all trying to learn how to be adapted to this streaming thing now. And, and everything is ran by an algorithm. Um, you've got to meet the algorithm. You know, the, the streaming platform has become a whole other social media that you have to operate. And depending, right now, the thing is, which will change eventually, but right now, the thing is, Spotify and um, Apple Music wants you to release a single a month. Um, the, so you can stay within their good algorithm that they're going to put out everywhere. And, uh, which, you know, I think that's kind of where things have gone. People, people are getting where they, well, they get bored easily. They need new, new stuff all the time, you know, and they're, that's how they're getting more people to get on their platform is new, something new, something new, something new all the time. And so that's how they're, you know that I think that's I think that's true to a point uh, because I am a big fan of YouTube now. I typically go to YouTube mostly because I don't want to get too invested in anything that's an hour long. You know, right? Ten fifteen yeah. minutes, and then I'm going to go up and do other things. So, um, mm-hmm. the song a month, while I kind of understand it from their viewpoint, but um, really. It's no longer art at that point. It's just a product that you're churning out like those chicken McNuggets at McDonald's. Yes, it is. Because uh, you're trying to meet the algorithm. And uh, I hate it, and uh, I haven't done it yet. But it's almost to a point, you know, it's hard within our, within us as artists. You know, it's, it's a complete staying true to yourself, but also um, – you know, your world's wrapped around this and you gotta, you gotta kind of 
fallen suit to a certain extent, if you want to continue, you know, being able to do what you want to do and, and things like that. And so it, it's a, it's a, it's a battle in between, you know, with, within everything, but finding how to do these things with staying true to yourself. I, I'm probably the worst one in the whole record label uh, about posting on social media and doing stuff. I hate it with a passion. I don't have time for it. Um, but it's, I, you know, but I have no guy that too, that's on my, on my guys like, Hey, you got to keep things moving, you know? And, um, <laughs> and you can tell the guys that do, they get a, they get a good, you know, you can see the differences in their streams and things like that with you have a good social media presence and TikTok. I hate TikTok, but um, <laughs> it's, you know, you don't make any dancing videos. Old, I know. <laughs> no. You go. I, yeah, I, I've made a few TikToks. Mine have been um, either I just take some content, put it together, make a thing of it. But I've done a few, uh, and I wanted to do more of it because I actually kind of felt a connection with uh, my biggest viewed TikTok was uh, one around Christmas time last year, and uh, it, Christmas time's hard for me. In 2019, I lost my mom, my grandpa, and my dad back to back. September, November, December. And uh, dad actually passed away December 24th. And so the holidays are tough for me. And I've, I've shared a lot of that, at a lot of my shows. And I found that a lot of people kind of struggle in that same thing, the same struggles that I had. And so I, I made a TikTok just being real about my emotions and, and where I was and, and uh, gave an encouraging word. And, and uh, man, it, 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 you know, took off for me. I'm not saying it got, you know, got me up hundred thousand followers or anything, but I was like, man, that was great. That was, that was something I like to do. Be I like, I, one thing about me is I'm, I'm always real. Last night we played a show and I'm the, the biggest, I'm the, for, I'll, I'll, my guys hate it, but I'll call an audible in a heartbeat if I'm not feeling it. And, um, that's what I did last night. I'm calling an audible and went a whole different direction because of, you know, I, the day I was having, I was having a rough day and having all these things. I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to fake this. I'm not going to wear a mask. We're going to, I'm going to get real and tell you where I'm at everybody. And, uh, we're going to get through this. And so that's the way I was on those videos. And it seems like that's what a few people like, but then again, I ain't got time for it. Yeah. You know, I, I wish I did. Um, but just stay so busy that I, I, I kind of wanted to do a little more, but I just can't, I don't have time. Yeah. But, I, yeah, I feel no you. Hey, I, I got a quick suggestion. I, I will get to yours, Aaron, but I have a quick suggestion for you. And I'm I'm 95% serious in this because I've thought about this for this show because I'm the same yeah, way. Yeah. I, I will uh, get on social media and I'll read things and I'll comment and stuff like that. But I'm horrible mm -hmm. at, at posting and keeping up with stuff yeah. and all that. And um, I, I've said this, which is I we need like a 14, 15-year-old girl. And, and I'll pay, I'll pay her like, I don't know, 50 bucks a month or whatever, but, uh, bro, they love that social media, man. And they're fast on the keyboard. Man, <laughs> yeah, they are. What you said earlier, I don't think anybody wants, you know, um, like people who are fake and I'll see someone post something on social media. I'm like, you know, they, they got the green screen behind them and you know, they're, they're almost like, mm -hmm. this is what happened yesterday. And it's a script or whatever. And I love yeah. people that get on there and you can see just total transparency. Um, Hey, I'm having a mm -hmm. rough day or, you know, 
God wanted me to share this or whatever. And I love artists that are transparent um, uh, through their music and through their words. And that's, that's the only way I, I think people can see, can, people can tell. They might not know what it is, but I think people can tell whenever you're, you're fake or if you're not being true to what, where you are. You know, I, I had a lot of people when I kind of made a little transition from, you know, the last record with had without a fight on it, lift your voice uh, to this new record that I did uh, called wait and see. It was a completely different kind of turn on things. Um, basically coming from, I never was a heavy rock, but coming from rock to, to more CCM and, you know, one thing that people don't realize is that, uh, you know, even musicians and even singers and writers have their seasons change sometimes. And, uh, that's what happened with me. I, I had some people ask me a lot, like, why, why do you do this? I said, well, I, I honestly went in, I was just getting off tour with, um, the guys from Build 429 and, um, and, uh, Jason was like, Hey, you want to come? Let's, let's record some songs. I said, that'd be great. And so I, you know, we, we usually have 30, 40 songs in our back pocket ready to record for the new record, you know, and then we'll go through and pick, you know, seven, eight, ten of the best ones. And that's what we'll put on there. And, and, uh, honestly, we got in the studio and I was like, Jason, I'm, I just lost mom, dad, grandpa. Like I'm, I'm, I'm at a point where I'm struggling a little bit. Like uh, I've actually, and I've told people this, I, there was a point after dad passed away right before COVID hit, but I, I went out on stage and I wasn't a hundred percent sure that I believed what I was singing about anymore. And, um, and, uh, and so Jason said, well, let's just start writing a whole new record. And I said, that sounds great. And so we started from scratch and, uh, you hold it all was the first song we wrote. And, uh, there's something therapeutic to me about being in a vocal booth and, and, and just recording or just, you know, putting your emotions down on paper. Um, you know, and sometimes improv things come up in the vocal booth that you didn't write and it just feels like it works. And there was a line we said in that song that said, uh, why can't I trust what I already know? And, uh, you know, that, that kind of hit me. I didn't even mean to say it so much. And then I, I, after I said it, I was like, man, that's why well, I don't I trust what I already know. You know, I, I, I've, I've been, I've been serving God long enough to know that he, uh, he's always faithful. You know, I don't have to worry about anything, but yet I'm scared now. I'm worried. And now I don't even know if I believe that he's for me. And so, um, it was kind of a healing process. And that whole record was really a healing process. Every song on it, there was a different, it felt like it was a different emotion of what I was going through at that time. Um, you know, we started it in, uh, at the end of 2019 and finished in 2021. And so, COVID gave me a lot of time to kind of heal a little bit, sit back and, and, uh, work on this record and, and kind of really figure out where I was and who I was. You know, um, well, go ahead. No, that's it. Well, I was going to say, isn't it great though, you know, um, that we have brothers and sisters in Christ that can help us get through some things and just, you know, Hey, let's, Let's start all over again and I'll come with you and we'll do this thing together and whatever, you know, how it, how it turns out is, uh, is just great. And so that's uh, one of the best things about um, walking with brothers and sisters that they, they'll uh, sometimes um, 
they'll just you know carry you to the next stop. Absolutely. Well, and, and I needed that bad. Like that's where I was, and that's really what brought me back was my group of people and my my family and everything that was around me that refused to let me to believe what I was starting to believe. You know. Well, uh, I want to do you hold it all. Uh, and be, you know, because we're up against time now, uh, I, I want you to come back and tell more stories. Is that cool? Yeah. All right. Yeah, on. Sounds good. Yeah. And, uh, where can everybody find broadhead music and we are vessel. So we are vessel super easy. We are vessel band.com. Um, and it has all the links to all the socials and all the fun stuff, even TikTok. And uh, you can go to broadheadmusicgroup.com to find out more information about our artists that are on board, uh, booking artists, or uh, anything else as well. And buy merch, too, there, too. Merch is where it's at, buy brother. Merch. You yes. sure can. Put some yeah, gas in the merch. tank. Please. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, you know, even if you don't want to buy a T-shirt, if you want to help the band out, take them over to the gas station. <laughs> <laughs> That's truth. All right. Hey, uh, thanks for coming on the show, James. And, uh, yeah, let's come back in a, a couple of weeks and tell more stories and talk more no, love to you, man. music business. I love music business talk. So, all right, yeah, man. Absolutely. It's you hold thanks it all. Blast. Thank you very much. You hold it all. Rocks out. Musecast experience. Same old doubt, same old places I hide When I feel the hurt and pain surrounding all of my life You never let go, but I need to know You're here in this fight
Rock Salt Musecast experience. Aaron and Dave. Get some. <laughs> Patrick and Spirit. Yeah. Uh, Patrick's out sick today. I decided I'm going to send everybody a, a group text that says, gentlemen, we need to discuss your attendance. <laughs> well, Dave, they never promised they'd be here. <laughs> and, and, and if you thought that, you know, that that's on you. Yeah. Hey, um, you know, the uh, uh, out here in California and our very progressive governor, Newsom, he's a... Uh, He's looking at, um, sh- well, I, I'm, I'm going to do the media thing here. He's looking at shutting down San Quentin, <laughs> which it's not entirely false what I just said, but it's not entirely true either. Well, we are facing a, uh, I think it's $28 billion shortfall, uh, or tw- I don't know, $28 million, uh, whatever it is. And so he may be well, thinking, uh, where, where's, I, could, I could sell that island. Yeah, I'll where's that $85 billion, uh, surplus you kept uh uh, bragging about for the last couple of years. That was that was last year, Dave. Oh, okay. And, he, and, he, and, he, and instead of putting it in a bank, 85, he, 85 he, billion he goes away a lot of real fast. Yeah. <laughs> it's I need more money. I'm a Democrat. <laughs> That's it. Well, they they never think they're going to run out of money. No, they're not because they've got the middle class to you know pay the bill. Well, they can just print it too. Yeah, you know? there's that but, too. But the problem is, is, we're not the we're not the federal government. We're the state, and so we we can't we can we can't print money except you know Uncle Joe. Can you print some more money <laughs> yeah. for us? So he's uh he's learning he's looking at turning San Quentin into a essentially a rehab facility for criminals. Now, I see. San Quentin for anybody that doesn't know is like. A really bad prison to be in. I mean, they put a lot of bad people. Like uh, Charlie Manson was in San Quentin. Um, Scott Peterson's in San Quentin. Um, Richard Davis, Polly Class Killer, San Quentin. I mean, there's some really bad people there. Okay? And he's looking at turning it into a rehab facility instead of a death row prison. So I, f- I found this... Uh, this uh, uh, news report from ABC sub seven in uh, Los Angeles. It's two minutes long, but there's a point in here. I want to get to, and something that Gavin Newsom says about shutting down death row. Let's see if it's going to play. No, (laughs) it's giving me technical difficulties, Aaron. And I don't know why. Hmm. Oh, I don't know why. Because I caught it on the wrong one. There we go. At San Quentin today, go. the signs went up saying the death chamber is closed and guards carried away the lethal injection equipment. These pictures were tweeted out by the governor's office. The Gavin Newsom moratorium on the death penalty. Why? I just think it's the right thing to do. I can't square this fundamental fact uh, that we have people on death row today that are innocent. And if you think that's hyperbolic, I hope you will consider that just Last year, we had someone who served 26 years on death row that was exonerated, that was innocent. That was the case of Vicente Benavidez, convicted in 1993 of sexually assaulting and killing a 21-month-old girl. The California Supreme Court overturned that conviction and freed him from San Quentin last year. How much of this is a moral objection? How much of this is political? It's moral. 
it's deeply moral for me. Among the 737 people on California's death row, Scott Peterson, convicted of murdering his pregnant wife and their unborn son. Serial killer Charles Ng, convicted of 11 murders in Calaveras County. And Richard Allen Davis, kidnapper and killer of Polly Class in the North Bay in 1993. Are you prepared for the pushback from victims' families and yeah. victims' advocates? Good people can disagree. It is deeply held, deeply personal, but state-sanctioned premeditated killing. I just can't do it. I can't sign those executions. President Trump tweeted that Newsom was defying the will of the voters who narrowly approved a measure to speed up executions in 2016. Newsom says no one will be released from prison because of his executive order. Is there no murder brutal enough or heinous enough for you to reconsider I've Ted Bundy's? I've literally read over 200 of the cases. It'll turn your stomach, make you sick that human beings are capable of such vile violence, such heinous acts. And there's no sympathy. I have no empathy for those that are guilty. I really don't. At the same time, I cannot support premeditated state-sponsored murder. Hello, I'm Mark Brown. Okay, uh, I cannot support state-sponsored premeditated murder. Now, I'm the reporter. Just, you know, work with me here for a minute. I'm the reporter. My follow-up question is... Um, Governor Newsom, how about abortion? Ah, I gotta go. <laughs> gotta go. It is state-sponsored, premeditated murder. Okay? Uh, Chris Rock, I watched the latest Chris Rock thing uh, stand up. And even he says in there, look, um, regardless of how you feel about abortion, it, it's murder. When you go to abor get an abortion, you expect... A dead baby. Yes. Okay. That's that's a fact. So now that we've established that fact, um, his response, of course, would be, well, that's health care. And someone, maybe it was Daryl here, came up with, well, uh, isn't ridding the population of these horrible people societal health care? You would be correct, sir. Yeah. Um. I don't need these people around. I don't need Richard Davis around. I really don't. And why you want to keep him around is beyond me, but you're okay with uh, state-funded abortions. I don't get it. Keep the criminal alive. Kill the kids. Is that is that the message? Yeah, and we're talking about, you know, he's talking about saving a... Uh, I guilty life and the baby is a innocent <laughs> right life so and early on in that thing and by the way i i full disclosure that that clips from four years ago on youtube all right but it is happening again he is working on this this saint quentin thing but he says early on that uh there was a uh someone who innocently spent you know 20 or 30 years on death row for something they didn't do and um, my response to that as the reporter would be, well, how long have you been governor? Yeah. You could have done something about it. Why didn't you? Well, he let it, he let it work its way through uh, the courts and then the California Supreme Court. 
Well, then, um, then great. Then you can't use who, who, that. Who has been overruled themselves. Yeah. Um, but but if it was the side to let them go free. If it was the courts that did it, then the system worked in the end. I'm not saying it worked perfectly, okay? But it worked in the end because it freed him. So you can't use that as, as your talking point. There because must have been some hard evidence against this person. Again, I have no. Eh, no I don't know. I don't know. We but, see. But, we see the hard was, evidence. I think, he says, I think he said twenty six years. Uh, could have been some hard evidence uh, that kept him in jail all these years. You know what it is, uh, because uh, prosecutors are guilty of it all the time, and you're seeing it in the January sixth thing. They hold out evidence that they know is bad for their case, and send innocent people to jail. That's because the prosecutors, after they get caught doing this, don't go to jail themselves. If they no, they knew, become vice president. Yeah. <laughs> so if they knew they were going to go to jail by holding evidence back, which is illegal to do. Which is something Kamala Harris did. Yeah. Uh, they would, if they thought, ah, you know, I'm going to go to jail if I hold this back. So I'm going to tell them, you know, uh, we wouldn't have these problems. Well, did you see the, uh, did you see the clip? of the Biden nominee for magistrate, federal magistrate, I think is what it was. Yeah. And uh, uh, Kennedy asked him about a Bailey motion. And this guy says, on my four years on the bench, I've never encountered that. And uh, he said, do you know what a Bailey motion is? And he said, my four years on the bench, I've never encountered that. And uh, uh, now, by the way, I didn't know that it was called the Bailey motion. I didn't know it was Bailey versus Maryland, but I knew what it was. Uh, after I looked it up, I went, oh, it's that. I didn't know I had a name. It's ba the Bailey motion. It says that, you know, the prosecution has to give over all the evidence that they have to the, the defense. This this guy doesn't know, and then he goes on to say, uh, Kennedy asked him, do you, do you know what Bailey versus Maryland? Do you know the case of Bailey versus Maryland? He goes, I recognize the name. Doesn't it have something to do with the Second Amendment? He, so he had it con confused with the Brady Bill. Yeah. And, okay, I give you, I'm bad with names, you know? I, I could see how you could confuse the two, but to just not know what the Bailey motion is and it's your job to know, yeah, I got a problem with that one. I can understand if you don't know something like a, a certain state law from one state to the next, but that, that that's something you should know that you have to give. This know, is basic stuff. Yeah, I mean, if, if you watched any kind of Law & Order episodes, you know you, they discuss well, it. Well, uh, they have uh, to give all the evidence... To the prosecution. You know, it's like... Uh, to uh, the defense. It's like if you put a, a, a McDonald's worker on, uh, you know, the hot seat there and said, uh, uh, tell me about flipping burgers. And he went, in my four years of flipping burgers, I have never encountered flipping burgers. <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, that's what it is. It, uh, we saw it with his FAA nominee. We've now seen it with this nominee. These guys don't know anything about their job. They really don't. They don't know anything about their job. Well, the boss doesn't know anything about his job either, Dave. Well, he knows so, that he needs to check all the boxes. Yeah. That's what he knows, and uh, that's what he's done with his nominees is he checked all the boxes except the box that says he should know what, the, what he's doing. 
See, this is my thing why I, I don't think Gavin Newsom will be a great presidential candidate because um, he gets keeps getting softball interviews like that yeah, four but, years ago. But, and that's still the interviews he gets today. You know why? Like you got to submit the questions bef- you, before, you know. So with I Gavin Newsom, and this is, this is fact, you can go find out for yourself. Um, with Gavin Newsom, yeah, you got to submit the questions first. But but if you start to go find the uh, Adam Carolla interview with Gavin Newsom, if you start to ask him tough questions, he just stands up and says, okay, we're done here. I'm going to go. Have a nice day. If you ask him any tough questions. Stop I, so I, me. Yeah, so I don't know how he's going to pull that off as president. I mean, Biden is doing a, eh, an okay job at dodging questions. But I don't know. Eventually, you got to say something. Just like uh, Gabby, your girl Gabby, she took out our vice president for the on the debate stage. She didn't have an answer. Yeah, and uh, it was a tough question, not a softball. It was a fastball, you know, hey, with a little movement on it. Both these Republicans and Democrats, if you start to ask them hard questions, and I mean hard questions, you follow up uh, the the uh, I don't support state-sanctioned murder, state-funded murder, um, If you, you follow that up with the tough question of, well, a lot of people would say you support abortion, which is state sanctioned and state funded yes that's the tough question he would answer that i know he would because he wants to hammer home his point but the more he answers it and the more you back him into a corner with it uh he eventually just does what they all do which is i'm not doing this and gets up and walks away well there's a lot of politicians that i follow that will answer the tough questions or if they're not prepared to answer a question like, hey, you know, I I, I still have to study it more. Yeah. You know, it's okay I'll, to I'll, I'll, say yeah. you don't know and I'm gonna go look into that. Yeah. But um, you know, try doing that with your boss. Hey Aaron, step into my office. We need to have a talk. Yeah. And he starts asking you the hard questions, and then you go, you know what? I'm just not gonna do this. You have a nice day. <laughs> That's really what's going on here. We're the politicians' bosses, and we need to remember that. We're the boss. Yeah, they serve us. We we want answers to these questions. And you getting up and going, well, I'm not going to answer nothing. Uh, Hey, voting population, remember that and go, you're the boss, and he didn't answer your questions. What would you do? What would you do if he was working for you in your business and you were in charge? You'd fire him. That's why they don't go on Bongino or Tucker Carlson. I'll, I'll give a lot of credit. Um, there was uh, Tucker was on um, criticizing the governor of Texas, Abbott, about the border. Yeah, and uh, Abbott came on, and he didn't. He didn't. He didn't uh, cry about how the the questions were tough. He avoided a little bit, you know, by yeah, saying but, some other things. But uh, but he faced it right on. And I want to, you know, I think Bongino would be a great monitor for a debate. Hey, yeah. he, he would go, you didn't answer the question. Right. <laughs> you know, and Bongino is, is uh, he's right-leaning, but he just goes on facts. And, uh, he's he, you know, I think he'd want to see a fair debate. 
Yes. You know, uh, unlike uh, who? Uh, what was that dude's name? Chris? Uh, Chris? Not Chris Hansen. Chris Matthews. Chris, the oh. dude that uh, uh, jumped from Fox to CNN. What a horrible mistake! Everybody was probably telling him, "Don't do this. This is just stupid." You know who I'm talking about, though. Yeah, he was not going to be staying at Fox for very long. <laughs> he was. He was. Uh, you know, instead of getting uh, canned or fired, he was like, "You know, I'm just leaving." Yeah. See you later. Well. Yeah. Um, Chris, um, Chris Wallace. Chris Wallace. That's yes. the dude. Yeah. yeah. So um, the look, we have a biased media, right or left, whatever once you you want to watch. the The thing is, is do your research, do your homework, find out what it's all about, what the topic's all about. It's like this: don't say gay bill or anything like that. If you actually go read it and start listening to CNN, uh, I promise you, if you read it and then watch CNN report on it, you would scream at the TV as well. They're lying to you. Is that what you do? Oh, I yell at the TV all the time. Oh, that's just garbage. You know that's not true. Luckily, you don't have anything in your hands. You'd break your TV. If you did that, just no, yeah. I don't do that. You don't do that. Don't yeah, you? TVs are expensive, man. <laughs> <laughs> Especially in the Biden economy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I'm living. Up. It, I'm building back better in Biden's America. <laughs> I, I better pay some more. <laughs> uh, by the way, building back better, I guess, didn't include roads. <laughs> oh my gosh! Doesn't matter. We're not going to need them because we're not going to be able to drive on them. <laughs> Yeah, I, I kept wondering where my gas See, tax money was Biden, going. Biden Cause, always cause, thinking. Yeah, because uh, I tell you what, uh, man, the roads by me are... Uh, oh, the, rate, ro- the road in front of your house is horrible. The yeah. road leading up to my house is equally... Well, it's just a step above yours. It's slightly better. Not much, but a little bit. Yeah. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, I, I did corner... A, uh, a, a council person on Facebook, mm-hmm. uh, you know, for my area and uh, started sending notes because they were saying, we're doing all this great stuff. And I went, well, what about the roads? Have you driven down this road? What about the roads? When are you going to fix this? We pay you a lot of money, a lot of money in gas taxes to fix the roads. And it's not happening. You know, one of my... Uh- uh, and by the way, fellow employees, by the way, it got no response, yeah. no response. Fellow employees, actually, um, two of her t- tires got damaged by the road the other day and she called uh, the county and they said, file a claim and we'll, we'll take care of it. So it'd be interesting if they pay I, for her. Let uh, me know. Let me know if they actually pay for it yeah. because then our, our issue is, well, how much are we paying out? To fix people's cars when we could just fix the road. That's true. Seriously. I mean, I know this is government logic, and this is how government operates, whether it's Republican or Democrat, it just operates this way. But um, seriously, we put a a lot of money into these roads. You should be fixing the roads, not fixing people's cars. True. Well, they did. Last night when I drove by that certain area, where she, because she told me what she's talking about, and I, and I know it's there, so I avoided it in my car. But uh, she didn't know it was there. Um, they had fixed it. 
already. Yeah, well, but no, they had patched it. That's right. They They patched it. it. Yeah. Until the rain comes back. Yeah, we've had these super heavy rains, and then the day after or or right after the super heavy rain, you drive down the road, and you see all the patchwork uh, sitting on top of the road instead of in the pothole. Yeah, so... Well, we would like to thank uh, We Are Vessel for coming on from uh, Georgia. Hopefully your roads in Georgia are better than ours. Uh, Thank you for coming on. Uh, We're going to go back and start yelling at our TV again. Yeah. It looks like there's UFC fights on. Yeah, so we we can cheer. All right. We can cheer. So thank you, everybody, for listening. Please follow us on Facebook and Instagram. And you can always reach out to us, especially if you're a young, inspiring band. Uh, at rocksaltradio at gmail.com or, or you're if you're an, fan. or if you're an old aging band that's right <laughs> <laughs> I gotta be the opening act because I gotta get to bed <laughs> <laughs> yes and so thank you uh, all for listening as we've uh, experienced some growth in the last couple of months and uh, we appreciate that so again thank you Randall for coming on the show today And uh, thank you all for listening to us. And what do we say, Dave? Happy trails. Happy trails. I ever get that way. Oh. Jesus is a friend.